Well, this week um, will, I think, be our last week of the DNA of Faith series for the current time. I have really enjoyed the series. I hope you have as well. And, um, you know, you, can really, uh, you can't really exhaust the subject of faith, so we could teach on it forever. Uh, but there are some other things that the Lord's put on my heart for us um, as a church, as a group of people worshiping the Lord together. So we're going to be looking at uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 26, um, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and of course a few other passages, but those will be our main scripture text for this morning. Mark 11, 22 through 26, uh, or 25 rather, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and 2 Corinthians 4, 13. So we're in um, the final installment of our DNA of faith. And, uh, you know, when they find out uh, the building blocks of human DNA, they can, uh, actually, they try to do a lot of different uh, strange things with the DNA, but actually it gives them a lot of idea of the source of things and why things are the way they are. And um, for us, we're looking at the DNA of faith because sometimes we just kind of relegate, well, just have faith. Well, what in the world do you mean by that? When I say that, when you say that, well, just have faith in God. What does that mean? Well, uh, you know, there's really five or six elements really to the DNA of faith. One of those is believing. In other words, you simply believe God. In other words, you trust God. If I said something to you and, um, uh, you know, like there's going to be an eclipse on August 21st, you could either believe me or not believe me, right? I think it is August 21st. And um, I don't even believe myself fully, <laughs> but I think, I think it's somewhere in there. Um, but belief, and, um, but what is a belief? In other words, how do you form a belief? Well, if somebody says something, in this case we're talking about God saying something, if we're going to believe it, we have to turn away from all else and turn towards him and believe what he said. It's one of my favorite parts in this, uh, this series uh, because I hadn't really seen it that clearly before, that in order to, to have faith in God, you actually have to release self-will and you have to release, uh, you know, the dictionary called it anxiety. In other words, you're going to be like stressed and worried and concerned about all of this stuff. Well, if you're stressed and worried and concerned, uh, you learn that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that you can't actually grab hold of the peace of God and live inside of that because you're trying to do it. But we have to release that, and we also have to release self-will. And doing that is an act of our will, all right? From the first moment that someone comes to Jesus Christ, this is how you come to Jesus Christ. And so don't think that if you came to Jesus Christ by saying, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. In other words, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm not going to live by my own self as the source of my life but I'm going to live as Jesus, uh, by Jesus as the source for my life, you're turning away from yourself and you're turning to Jesus Christ. You're turning to God through Jesus Christ. Right? So it's not just turning away from yourself, but what are you turning towards? Right? We're turning towards God. And so, but it is an act of our will and a decision of our will. It's a decision we have to make. Well, that's how you come to Christ, but that's how you receive from God. Not only how you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and are made a new creature, but it actually is how you live a life of faith, is by turning away from yourself and turning towards him. I love Paul said, I have determined to know nothing among men except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, he's saying, I'm not living this life anymore based on what I know. And if you know much about Paul, you know Paul knew more than almost anyone else at the time. I mean, he was trained by the best rabbis in the best schools and had the best, um, you know, biblical education you could get at the time, but not only just like um, learning the words in the Bible, uh, you know, as a believer, we're actually to be a disciple. And a disciple is a learner an imitator, you could say, of Jesus Christ. Well, when the rabbis would train people, like Paul was trained, he was trained to imitate his rabbi, uh, which he had like one of the best rabbis to train. And so um, 
Paul is the one that said all of that, all of that knowledge, all of that experience, all of that training, I count it as dung compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, why is that? I like um, uh, Yongi Cho from uh, Seoul, South Korea says, the Holy Spirit does not talk to smart people. Think about that for a second. He does not talk to smart people. Well, you say like, wait a minute. You might be like, well, I'm kind of smart. Well, you, that's, why would he not talk to me? Because you already know it. You know, uh, the devil uh, and demons, they try to control and force and push stuff off on you. But the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. He won't force you to do anything. But man, he'll provide a way. Well, how do you get his best in your life? Well, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit. Imagine going, driving your car, you got this yield sign, and you never stop. You just keep going, keep going. Well, you know, one of these times you're going to hit somebody because you're supposed to yield and let them have the right of way, yeah. right? There may be nobody, oh, there's nobody there, nobody there now. Well, all of a sudden, somebody's going to have to stop or there's going to be an accident. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds very simple, but that's simply what yielding to the Lord is like. In other words, you want to go this way, and there's a yield sign on your life. and saying yield to the Holy Spirit. And you're like, no, I'm just going to go right through. I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Well, that is not what we're talking about with faith, because faith is turning away from yourself and turning towards the Lord, turning to the Lord. And um, uh, you do that in believing. You choose to believe. Uh, like, what's real practical about that? Well, what's real practical about that is, say you need finances, and you have prayed and asked the Lord for finances, and you've spoken over your finances, uh, but you're all concerned and stressed. Well, you know what? Then you've actually picked it back up. You've turned to yourself. Why are you concerned and stressed? Because you are very aware of your time limit and your ability to produce those finances. Why is that? You're looking to yourself, or you're looking to your job, or to your employer. But we're to turn from ourselves and the things of the world and turn towards God. And so uh, faith is also trust. Faith is belief. Faith is a confident expectation, or you could say hope is an element of faith. Um, faith is obedience, obeying. It's, uh, the Bible actually talks about the obedience of faith. And then uh, faith has an element of fear or esteem or awe. In other words, you esteem what God says. So um, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you hope for uh, finances, but by faith you have them. They're yours. And so I think one of the best ways to grab hold of this is to understand that when Jesus came, he came and he preached about the kingdom of God. Remember? He taught about the kingdom. So much so the disciples thought, like, are you going to, like, establish your kingdom on earth now? Right? And then I'm, I'm going to be in charge. You're going to be in charge. And so um, the kingdom of God is not of this world. But the kingdom of God affects this world. And when you're born again, you are actually part of the kingdom of God. And so there's certain laws that the kingdom of God operates from. And all of the laws in the earth and the earth itself is subject to the kingdom of God. And so faith is actually in the kingdom of God. Faith is a spiritual force. Right? And so when you're born again, you're recreated in Christ Jesus. And so you're actually living and dwelling from that other realm, from the kingdom of God. Now, you might not be conscious of it because you don't pay a lot of attention of it, to it, but that's actually the truth. And the thing is, when you get victory in that realm, then it shows up in this realm. In other words, the Bible says the things that are seen were made by things that are not seen. God spoke and it became. And so this is why when Jesus explained faith, um, this is one of the most uh, amazing passages of Scripture, I think, that, that Jesus spoke when he was here on the earth in Mark chapter 11. Uh, when he explained this, you see the importance of speaking. 
Mark eleven twenty two. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now I'm going to start this a little different than I really ever have before, um, because I think sometimes when you approach things differently, it's uh, things that you've already heard, it's a lot easier to grab hold of it. We were in, uh, Melody and I were in the Philippines in 2005 on a missions trip, went to three different islands and three different churches. It was an awesome experience because every church was a little different, and uh, we really learned a lot. One of the churches I was teaching in a um, home uh, Bible study, basically, a small group or something like that was like 25 people. And uh, at the end, uh, we were going to lay hands on people to receive healing, but it was a charismatic style church. And so I just felt led in my heart, you know, there's about five people that raised their hands that they needed healing. And so I said, come forward. And I said, now I want you to sit. And I sat them in the front row in the seats. And the only reason I sat them in the seats is they're used to going up, having hands laid on them, and maybe they fall out, maybe they don't, whatever, but they've got this routine going on. Like this is how this is supposed to happen. So I said, well, I kind of want to like uh, knock you off of your routine because a lot of times our routine uh, stops us from receiving from God. You, we have, with Jesus Christ, a relationship, yeah. not a religion. A religion is like a set of rules and a set of uh, doctrines, and you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. Ours is a relationship. So even when we talk about faith, we're not talking about a formula. We're talking about a relationship. When I talk about turning away from yourself, we're turning to the person of God. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. Like we're turning away from ourselves, but we're turning to God. Well, why is that? Well, it's the character of God that lets us have faith in God. Yeah. Because why? If God is a liar, I can't even trust what he says. Yeah. But I know that he is not a liar. In Psalm 119, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible it's amazing. It says that there is no end to the perfection of your word, and your word has been tested and tried and found to be true. Amen. It says there's an end to the perfection of all things, but there's no end to the perfection of thy word. What does that mean? Well, I don't care what it is. You can get that, you know, uh, people like different things that are brand new, but say like somebody liked a brand new, maybe Dave because he's a mechanic, this brand new amazing sports car that has all this power. You know what? There's an end to its perfection. You can buy this brand new thing and find out this is not like perfect. My dad uh, and mom, when they retired, they bought a uh, big uh, travel trailer. You know, they plan to travel in their retirement. I remember them talking about that all the time growing up. So he's got this brand new travel trailer. You know, like they don't insulate underneath, and then they didn't like caulk right, and they do all this stuff. And if you know my dad, he's very particular. <laughs> so he goes and like fixes up this brand new travel trailer. Yeah. But to the word of God, there is no end to its perfection. Yeah. I like to think of it like when, when you sin and you confess that sin, in other words, you come into agreement, yeah, I did that, Lord, forgive me. Man, he casts as far as the east is from the west. Well, you can't. You can go east forever and never get to the west. Well, the same thing with the perfection of his word. There is no end to the perfection of his word. And so Jesus said, have faith in God. And the other approach I want to take to this is Mark eleven twenty five. 25. I remember Brother Hagin would say time and time and time again, um, don't forget verse 25 when you're talking about this. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought, or that just means any little thing, any hint. Sometimes you don't know you have something. In other words, you might say like, uh, no, I don't have anything against anybody. But if I could, by the Holy Ghost, come up with a name and speak that person's name right now, you might be like, you might just tense up just a little bit. <laughs> that might be like a little bit of ought. <laughs> Um, that a lot of times our prayers are hindered because we're not forgiving, right? In other words, this won't work if you're in unforgiveness and, and, and bitterness. But what I want to show you about it is 
Jesus, the same principle he taught about faith in verse 23 and 24, he's continuing that exact same principle principle in verse 25. So think about using your faith to forgive, okay? And the reason I'm showing this is because I want to look at it from a different direction and kind of illuminate um, what faith is. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Well, we know that faith speaks what it believes before it has, and then it has. Well, what better realm than forgiveness to do that in? Because you don't feel like forgiving the person. You don't want to forgive the person in your flesh. Like, in other words, I don't know why we think, like, if I don't forgive you, then it's going to, like, hurt you. It really doesn't. Somebody said, like, not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. (laughs) You know, it's our flesh, you know. But sometimes we just want to hold on to it because we're like, I can't believe you did that to me. (laughs) And um, that is what you call living out of the flesh. Imagine, um, okay, maybe you know it because I've said it a few times. I like to jog. You know, I like to jog and exercise. And so uh, some people are like, I do not like to do that at all. Well, maybe I'm just strange. I like to jog. And so I jog very frequently. <laughs> and uh, I go some distances sometimes. And so, but I don't like to work out my upper body. Like if you take me into the gym, I don't like to go into the gym in fact, at some point, I'm going to get a kayak so I can like, do my upper body on the water. So I, I like to go places and see things, not just sit in one little room. And so, um, you know, I honor Pastor Mark. He's my pastor, and so he's uh, in the area. And so if I ever go and stay at a hotel with him or something like that, he's like, you know, it will be like uh, in April, I think he was here, and we went, and he wanted to work out. And so I run on the elliptical, you know, like this, and I'm just like in one place. I'm like, okay, I'm honoring you. <laughs> I would wreck to be outside. Um, But if I were to go and climb a mountain, or maybe not a mountain, that's a little extreme since I don't do that, but like a big, you know, a big hill or some rocks or something like that where I'm going to go up and have to climb, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my legs because my legs are strong compared to the rest of my body. So I have strengthened my legs. I have exercised my legs. I use my legs. And so I'm going to climb. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to come to a point where I can't go through the pass without my upper body. Right? I mean, of course, I'm going to hold my upper body so I'm not losing balance. But I'm not going to pull myself up because I've done this before. This is how I know what I would do. <laughs> I'm not going to pull myself up with my upper body because I don't have that. I haven't strengthened my upper body that much. So it's going to be much harder for me. Well, it's the same way in your life. You're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And if you don't strengthen your spirit man, you're going to by default climb that with your legs, which could be your mental reasoning or it could be your flesh. So like I was talking about forgiveness, you might just be like, well, I'm not going to forgive them. Like that would give them like something. I would give them place. I'm not, I refuse to do that. What is that? Well, that's pride. That's like your flesh doesn't want to like humble itself, you know, and say, no, I'm going to give that up. And so there really is a reason why we experience in life what we experience. And so much of the time it's because we don't live by the Spirit, by, in other words, our recreated selves. If you live by the flesh, you shall surely die, the Bible says. What does that mean that you're just going to like fall dead? Uh, no, but it means like you're going to experience death in life. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people are dead while they live. They don't have fullness of life, or uh, they're just going to experience like uh, sickness after sickness after sickness, or they're going to have bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship. That is not God's will for you. That is not God's plan for you. He wants you to have a flourishing life in every area of your life. But the only way you can do that is to do it his way. I mean, you see this like in marriage. You know, like it's supposed to be one man and one woman. But people, and, and, and you know, you're not supposed to have sex until you're married. But people want to like reverse and do this and do that. Why do they want to do that? Because they haven't turned away from their self-will, or in that case, maybe like flesh will. And they're like, no. But then a lot of people, even nowadays, you'll see like, no, that's like, a, that, that's just wrong. And, you know, then I can't have love and can't have all of the, it's me, 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 me. 
Yet if we esteem the word of God, if we revere the word of God, if we fear the word of God, then we understand, you know what, even if it doesn't make sense to me, I know he's right. What's amazing is when you completely change by the renewing of your mind, it starts to make sense to you. And you start to think like, how could anybody think any other way? So by faith is not by feelings. So if you're going to forgive someone, you really don't forgive by feelings. You forgive by faith. In other words, you believe what the Bible says about forgiveness and you act on it. You obey. You esteem it enough to do it. You trust what the Lord said. And then if you've ever forgiven, which I hope everyone in here has, I can't imagine anybody wouldn't have, then you know like all of a sudden the release and the freedom that you feel as soon as you forgive. And some people say, there's this story Brother Hayden tells about uh, this woman, and she's like, well, I just can't forgive him. I just can't forgive him. And he said, uh, well, do you ever have a disagreement with your husband? And uh, she said, oh, yeah, just this morning at the breakfast table. She, and he said, well, did you for, forgive him? Well, yeah, of course I did. He said, well, then your forgiver works. You just don't want to forgive that person. <laughs> and so I think a lot of times we build it up to be this big, big thing, but no, it's really like we just decide to do it even though we don't feel like it. No, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to forgive. So Jesus said, have faith in God and um, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Um, one translation says, Young says, have the faith of God uh, have God's faith, have the faith of God. Well, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So it doesn't say he'll have whatever God says. It says he'll have whatever he says. Well, but what is that? how does that play out? Because like, what if I say something that is contrary to what God says? Will I have that? No. Look at the context. Okay? They're looking at this. This fig tree was withered up, dried up from the roots. And they're amazed at this. And Jesus is kind of like, oh, you think that's cool? He's like, have faith in God. In other words, here's my subject. Have faith in God. And here's how it works. Before I say how it works, his whole foundation for what he's saying is have faith in God, not have faith in Tim. I'm not, I'm not just saying me, but I'm saying that you because I don't want to say all your names, <laughs> right? Not faith in yourself, not faith in the president, not faith in a psychologist or a psychiatrist, uh, not faith in the internet, not faith in Google. Have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, um, how is this going to be accomplished? It's going to be accomplished through God and what he has done. Right? So um, teaching on faith and looking at faith, a lot of times we get confused, I think, and think I'm supposed to have faith in my faith. Believe in my faith. In other words, like, uh, well, I, I said the right things. I believe the right things. I said the right things. It's I, 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 I. Your new life in Christ is Christ, 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 Christ. <laughs> Not I, 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 I. Okay? Um, and so Jesus said, have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Have the faith of God or the faith that acts like God or the faith that God is. Have that kind of faith. You have to have that settled before you get to the other verses. This is the faith of God. This is the God kind of faith. Have faith in God. Trust in God. Believe in God. Esteem what God says. Obey what God says. Follow what God says. Well, what does that mean? How do you have faith in God? Well, we know from uh, Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, or literally in the Greek, it says the rhema of God, or some translations say God, some say Christ, it's the, the deity is what it's talking about. And so have um, uh, 
Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. In other words, by God speaking to you that's real to you. I think I said before, like the healing school at Raymond, one of the th- main things that they do when they're going to minister to someone for healing is they'll say, okay, which scriptures mean something to you? Well, not only mean something, where is God speaking to you right now? Okay? It's a relationship, not a religion. In other words, it's not I've been converted and now I'm part of this group called Christians. It's I now have a new life and I have a relationship. Why do, I, why do I say that? Well, because when you are trusting God for something, you need to talk to God about it because he will speak to you about it. Yeah. In other words, like I said, I was on vacation and that, that uh, disease came back on me. What did I do? I talked to the Lord about it. I know lots of different scriptures. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of scriptures I don't know. You know, every, time, every once in a while you read scripture, you're like, I never thought that was in there. <laughs> But it's not a formula. So I want to go talk to the healer about it. I can know all these scriptures about healing, 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 but I know the healer. And so I say, okay, Lord Jesus, you are the healer. What do you want to show me? Because my faith is based on the word of God. It's based on the word of God that he makes real to me. It's based on the word of God that he speaks to me. Do you understand? So I could pick any scripture in here and just read a scripture, and it might not mean anything to me. I mean, even though I esteem it, God said that, it's just not real to me. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it becomes real. He's the spirit of reality. And so this whole faith life and this faith walk is based on a relationship. And he'll speak to you in that relationship. I mean, imagine if you were assigned... Um, to work at a company, and the CEO called you in, and um, you, you know, said, okay, I've got this assignment for you. I want you to do this. Uh, this is your area of responsibility. I want you to get it taken care of. Um, well, then you're going to want to ask some questions about what they're asking you. And then uh, they'll give you input and um, direction to a certain extent, right? But then they expect you to do what they hired you to do. Well, same thing when we have uh, Jesus. We go to Jesus, and we come to him. We come to God the Father through Jesus Christ, and he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, and we say, okay, Lord, uh, I need healing in my body. Well, what should I be doing? He says, well, check this out. Da-da-da-da. As soon as he says, well, check this out, that is like, should be like a green light flashing, like, oh, what is that? What is that? What is that? Because that's where faith comes from. Faith comes from God speaking to you. So it's not a mystery. Faith comes from God speaking to you on something. Now, you may have an area where you're just kind of like, well, I, I'm praying about this, and I feel like, I don't know, the Lord's not speaking to me about this. You know what? If you feed on the Word of God, you meditate on the Word of God, all of a sudden it becomes real, and you'll begin to hear Him speaking to you on that. You understand? There's like two avenues. So sometimes you'll go and you just have this, and you just have a knowing. And other times, like for me... Uh, when I was on vacation, then I went to the Lord, and I just knew, I don't know how I knew it, but just by the Spirit, I just knew. It's right here in Mark. It's funny. I haven't, for much of my life, I've used 1 Peter 2.24, Matthew 8.17 primarily as scriptures to receive healing. Not really Mark 11.23. But the Lord, uh, I just had a knowing it's in Mark 11.23. And so then I began to, to look at it. But I didn't have a knowing, like, it, in other words... Mark eleven twenty three wasn't um, reality to me at that moment. You know what I say when I say reality? Like you're like it's like it's when you get a revelation. You say to somebody, "Do you see what this says? It says he'll have whatever he says." And they look at you like, "Yeah, I know it says that." That's because they're not getting that light from the Lord at that moment, and you are. And so I began to just meditate on that, and within like five minutes or less of meditating on that, all of a sudden, poof, light came. What happened? I saw by the Spirit of God. Because God's not a mind. He's a spirit. And faith is not of the mind. It's of the spirit. It's of the heart. And so um, you can hear from the Lord uh, any number of different ways. But faith comes by that. All right? Faith, uh, one translation actually says, faith is awakened by that. 
Because, I don't want to mess up my time, but as a believer that has faith in God, we really live by what Christ has already accomplished. But what your flesh, I believe what flesh tends to want to do to be gratified in this area is it wants to do a work. It wants to do works. It wants to accomplish on its own. You know, establish its own righteousness, its own way to God, its own connection with God. And so your connection with God through faith, a lot of times your flesh will be like, well, you have to read like, you know, you have to have a list of 25 scriptures on healing and you have to meditate all of those and it might take you like two years and then all of a sudden, that's kind of like you're getting into works. You need a relationship because Jesus said, lay hold on the faith of God. And if you're using the faith of God, which is the measure of faith that we have been given, it's the God kind of faith, then it'll have the God kind of results. I like Jesus said, he's like talking to the disciples and they're on the boat and, uh, you know, the waves are huge and they thought they're going to die and they wake up Jesus and he's like, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt well, you could take that any number of ways, but you know what? Um, Jesus could be saying, like, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? Because, you know, he also said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you'd say to the sycamine tree, be plucked up from the roots and thrown into the sea. Jesus is saying, you don't need a lot of this kind of faith because this kind of faith is powerful. This kind of faith, you just have a smallest dab of this kind of faith, and you better look out, that mountain's going to fly away. And it's going to disappear into the sea. So the little side journey I'm taking there is, uh, if you ever find yourself where you're getting like, okay, well, I have to have this and this and this and this before, you're probably kind of like getting out of, uh, you're trying to accomplish it on your own. Uh, it's a gift of God. It's a grace from God. And we just latch hold of what he said. And you think about this, as soon as that scripture becomes real to you, there's faith right there. That moment, there's faith. That doesn't mean you have the answer, but that means there's faith right there. Because what we've been talking about last week and this week is how to use your faith or how to turn your faith loose. Because Paul said he perceived that they had faith to be healed. So they had faith to be healed, but they weren't healed. What did he say? Stand upright on your feet. And they stood up and leaped. In other words, you have to act on your faith. So you can have a heart full of faith and still have nothing change uh, in your surroundings. But Jesus said, have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. And then he went on to say, for verily I say to you that whoever, that means anybody, anywhere, whoever, shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Right? So he's saying he's not doubting in his heart, but he's believing. And so it's, it's two things. He's believing in his heart and he's believing in his words. Like, so I found the easiest way, of course, if you're having faith in God, faith in God is built on the word of God. We just, we just kind of went through that. So in other words, how to have faith in God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, hearing Christ speak to you through the word, right? It becomes real to you. So have faith in God. The way that comes is through the word of God. So we know this is based on the word of God. But if I want to have faith in my words, as soon as I know that's what the Bible says, it's easy for me to have faith in my words because it's not really my words. I'm speaking his words. How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? So as soon as I agree with what God said, I know I'm, I'm in the realm of the faith of God and I'm speaking what he said and then it has to come to pass if I believe the things that I say shall come to pass. There is no option for it not to come to pass. 
It has to come to pass. But you have to say it. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you do what? Confess with your mouth. Jesus as Lord. In other words, you have to declare Jesus is my Lord before he ever becomes your Lord. Before you're ever recreated. In other words, you have to declare I am healed by the stripes of Jesus before that ever shows up in your body. But I'm not declaring it from here. I'm declaring it from here. Heart. Not, not believes in his head, but believes in his heart. Faith is of the heart. Faith is of the spirit of man. Believe those things that he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. Another translation says, uh, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted from your place and hurled into the sea and has no inward doubts, but believes that what he says is happening, it will be done for him. So, you have to believe that what you say is happening. Like normally, like with finances, so uh, what I'll say is, you know, I, first of all, the finances that we need are here in the earth, so I command the devil to take his hands off of the finances. And I say, minister and spirits, go cause the money to come. But then once I have done that and taken my position of authority, then I just declare the money will come and the money's on the way. Why? Because my words create the ability for that to come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says if he believes it. But you have to say it. I remember um, Brother Hagen, uh, when he was um, his, getting ready to get his second house, they had, he traveled a lot, and so they had some uh, close pastor friends, and... Um, uh, the pastor's wife would take Aretha, Brother Higgins' wife, to get groceries and stuff like that because I only had one car and he's out traveling like 90% of the time. I don't know how she, she had to rely on people all the time. And um, so they went to the town where they're at and you know, he said, you know, uh, his pastor friend said, you should think about moving here. You know, uh, my wife helps your wife. They're good friends and all this stuff. He said, yeah, he's like, we've been thinking about it. And um, then um, uh, somebody else came in and the pastor said to them, you know, Brother Higgins going to move here. And he said, I didn't say I'm going to move here. And uh, he said, I said, I'm thinking about it. He said, oh, he's going to move here? Well, so-and-so has a house uh, that they're wanting to sell. And um, so anyhow, they get to talking, and this guy's like, hey, guys, come with me, come with me. So they go, and they go out of the house. They go across another yard into another house and, and to another uh, member of the same church. And he said, you know, Brother Higgins going to move here, and he needs a house. He said, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said, I was thinking about it. And they said, oh, you need a house. Well, actually, I just bought a brand new house, furnished all this stuff, and I don't need this house. And you, know, you can rent it or you can buy it, whatever you want. And he said, well, I didn't say that I wanted to do that. And, um, but then the guy said, you know, I was going to like uh, carry the note on the house for a member from my church, and I wanted to put so many thousands of dollars down, but being as it's you... He said, uh, I will, um, I'll do it for you if you just put $1,000 down. And then uh, they, they had a little uh, garage apartment out back. And so in the garage apartment, the secretary of that church was there paying rent. So he said it ended up being, this, was, this would have been in like, uh, I think the late 30s, maybe early 40s, that uh, he would, his mortgage would only be $12 a month. Can anybody imagine that, right? <laughs> uh, but he said, the problem was I didn't have $1,000. And, uh, you know, the other side of that story is he had gotten all the loans he could get. He couldn't get approved for any more loans. So he had no, like, he couldn't just go to the bank or, or even a friend and somebody and say, I, I need $1,000. And, um, but he said, uh, I'm not foolish. I know a good deal when it comes along. I don't have to be led for that, you know. <laughs> and so he said uh, to the guy, he said, brother so-and-so, he said, he said, when do you need the money? He said, I need the money in 10 days. And he said, okay. He said, I'll have $1,000 for you in 10 days. He said, I said it because you can have what you say. 
but you have to say it. So then they're at this house, and they're looking around the house, and as they're looking around the house, he said, I, I, they're like showing all this stuff. He said, I couldn't even pay attention. I'm just thinking like all these thoughts are coming like faster than a machine gun bullets. Like, well, like, uh, where are you going to get that money? You, you, all, you got all the loans out you can get. Nobody's going to give you any money. You know, you just made yourself a fool. You've been teaching two different meetings here, three weeks each on faith, and they're going to find out what a sham you are. You know, they're going to find out that you don't know anything and you don't have anything and all this type of stuff. And these thoughts keep coming. And so they're looking around the house. And he said, uh, as they're looking, Brother Hagin lifted his voice. He said, hey, Brother so-and-so. He said, I'll have that money for you, $1,000 in 10 days. And he said, okay, okay. And so they keep going and this type of stuff. And then they finish, and he's like, I didn't even get to look around the house because I'm just like in this battle. His head, he didn't have faith in his head, but he had faith in his heart. But he knew you had to say it. You have to say it. And so they start walking away, and the owner of the house is on the porch, and as he's walking away, he turns back and he said, hey, brother so-and-so, I'll have $1,000 for you in 10 days. Well, a few days later, I think it was like about six or seven days later, he got a call at the church where he was at, and uh, some lady said, well, you know, uh, Brother Hagen, he wanted to talk to him and said, I'm new at this. I've just been filled with this beer for a couple weeks, and um, I, I don't know. I could be missing it, so you tell me if I'm missing it, but do you need $1,000? And uh, he said, uh, why? Because he wanted to make sure somebody didn't tell her. And she said, well, I was just praying yesterday, and all of a sudden, I I could be missing it, but I felt like the Lord might have told me to give you $1,000. And he said, I believe it. Bring it on, you know. (laughs) And so he got what he said. But I like the illustration because I think we can all have been there, whether it's a financial thing or a physical thing, healing thing or something, where all of a sudden everything is screaming and you're like right on the edge. Like you're like, oh, oh, like it's, it's um, all the willpower you can muster to stop and to say, no, I'll have $1,000 in 10 days. Because you have whatever you say. On the positive or on the negative. Right? We're kind of talking about the positive, but you can have it on the negative. Like I, I always get in arguments with people. And every time I turn around, uh, you know, I just have an argument with so-and-so, argument with this one, argument with that one. Every place I go, I have an argument with people. <laughs> you can have whatever you say. Or somebody maybe that's not, um, that's uh struggling with finding friends, like nobody wants to hang out with me. Well, you don't understand, like people, you normally don't say stuff like that unless you believe that in your heart. Well, nobody wants to be around me. Nobody wants to do this. But then you have it in your heart and then you speak it with your mouth and then you have what you say. You do, the Bible says, let him that would have friends show himself friendly. You realize like you're showing yourself friendly before you actually have it. And then last week we talked about uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Um, and I'll just read that real, real quickly. Where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So Jesus did the exact same thing in his ministry that he told us to do, to have faith in God, whosoever shall believe and say that those, believe those things he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He got up, read the scripture that he was to fulfill, and said, declared, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Do you see he's doing the same thing? So what does that mean? Well, there's about 132 uh, in Christ, in whom, in him scriptures. And then there's two other scriptures that don't specifically use those words, but they infer the same thing. And so if you took those scriptures and you said, this is who I am, and you believe that those things that you say are true or shall come to pass, you'll see it'll actually show up in your life. In other words, our life is a faith life. 
We walk by faith. We live by faith. What does that mean? We live by what we believe that God said. Because what will happen in, is circumstances will try to, uh, will be contrary to what the word of God says. And then even the devil himself, uh, the parable of the sower, Jesus taught us that he'll try to steal the word of God that was sown into your heart through pressures of life, through enticing things of life, like the riches, deceitfulness of riches, and um, many other things, uh, and uh, uh, what do you call it? Weeds will come in and try to choke it out and drown it out. You ever notice, like, you hear something from the Lord in a service or on a recording or something like that, or uh, wherever you're at and the Lord speaks, it's the easiest thing in the world. All these distractions try to come so that you let that thing get away from you. But what is that? Well, when that thing became real to you, that was just not for you to have light, but that was for you to have light so you could act. Faith. So you have, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I keep quoting it that way, and that is not the right way to quote it. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, one translation says, now faith is giving substance. So if you want to have substance, in other words, something that you can see, feel, touch, it affects you, makes a difference, you have to have faith, but it's now faith. It's current faith. In other words, what is God saying to you right now? Jesus said, have faith in God. That is current. That is present tense. Believe those things that he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So um, faith is not a feeling. You don't even have to be inspired in order to believe with your heart and then release it. Because sometimes you, you want to get like, well, I got this, and it's an amazing revelation, and you just feel so blessed because you got it. Well, that's wonderful when you have those times, but you understand faith is actually believing what God said, speaking it, and acting on it. And faith, uh, interesting thing I saw when we were uh, studying this is that um, faith is a current thing. Faith in the gospel, faith in Jesus is an everyday occurrence. It's a constant trusting, believing, and holding on to Christ. It's not like I did this before, but faith is now. In other words, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing, not having heard. Right, so you could have gone to Bible school and studied all this stuff, and uh, you heard it, Faith doesn't come that way, right? You have to hear the message first, but faith comes by hearing what God is saying right now. So our life of faith is not um, just this system, and it's not just this framework that all of a sudden we um, check off every box that we need to check off, and now we're a faith person. No, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, living, breathing thing. It's this relationship with God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And he'll lead you, like, I don't know what areas that you're believing God for in your life. I don't, I don't know what areas that the Lord's deal, dealing with you about. But he does. And surely as he's dealing with you about it, then there's faith for the change to happen. Do you understand? He doesn't, in other words, he doesn't just talk for no reason. When he's speaking to you, um, he knows the plans he has for you uh, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, and to get you beyond yourself so that you can say, like Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was doing Mark eleven twenty three. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you understand? You believe that and you speak it and it's a reality. And then you don't have to struggle to try and live, you know, try and keep yourself down, like your, your old life down. Because you, you've just set the road. Yeah. You know, in ministry, sometimes, um, and, and I'm very blessed, you know, I'm uh, 
everybody has challenges, but planting a church has its own unique set of challenges. And um, a few years ago, right after we had moved out here, Pastor Mark uh, had said to me uh, about, mentioned to me something about the confessions of Jesus, and I thought, that's a good idea. So I just started looking at the confessions of Jesus. Well, the first one I came across, he said, my meat is to do the will of my Father and continue his work, finish his work. And so I started confessing that uh, when I didn't, you know, want to continue. And so all of a sudden I realized, well, that says my meat. In other words, they said, Jesus, you know, let's go get some food. And he's like, well, he's like, no. He's like, my meat is to do the will of God and continue his work, finish his work. My meat, my sustenance, in other words, what sustains me, how I live, is to do the will of God and finish his work. Do you know when I read that, it didn't do anything for me. But when I confess that, I can't do any better than what uh, the writer of Hebrews said, which is it gave substance to my faith. In other words, I felt like, it's not natural, it's supernatural, but I felt like I had a step to step on, like I had solid ground to step on. And all of a sudden, I, it became what I said. It did, it, it, how do I say that? It felt like what I said, because before I said it, it didn't feel like, I mean, I remember reading it thinking, like, that's your sustenance? Like, that's a huge faith statement. Like, that's what sustains you? But you know, as I began to confess it, and it was only like, um, you know, a day or two, it was within the first day when I said like, I probably said it like two or three times at the most, all of a sudden, there was substance there. I was like, there's something there. There's tangibility in the spirit. If that, I don't know, you know what I'm saying. Like, it was, there was ground there. And I was like, oh, there's something there. Well, that's because I believed it. I chose to believe it. And then I said it, and then I believed what I said. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, this works. <laughs> so the word of God works. And, you know, of course, Mark eleven twenty two through 25 is one of my favorite passages because almost any situation, well, any situation that you're going to encounter in life, Jesus gave the answer right there. Have faith in God, and here's how to do it. You trust God, you know, beyond yourself. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that you sent your word and you delivered us, that you sent your word and you healed us, that you sent your word and you, you gave us light, that you gave us uh, understanding, that we could know what path to go on. Father, that you lead us and that you guide us. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would allow your word to have deep roots in our hearts and that each and every one of us would not just listen to your word, not just be a hearer of your word, Father, but we would do your word and put it into practice. I pray for each and every person right here, right now, Father, that you would um, help us to understand and to know what you've been speaking to us and what you want us to speak. Father, we thank you for your very best in our life in every area. We thank you for your blessing upon us. Father, we pray that you would make us a blessing. Thank you for giving us your spirit and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.